All right, Sixers fans, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Going to be talking a little bit about Hassan Whiteside. The Lakers make a deal not involving Russell Westbrook, but maybe have a new starting point guard. We'll see what happens on that front. And also we'll talk a little bit about the Chet Holmgren injury as well. Before we do, don't forget, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. Joining me for the second time this week, the band behind the magic you see at Liberty Ballers, Mr. Paul Hudrick. Paul, how's everything going? It's going good, man. A little calmer around the household these days, so that is a plus, and a little calmer, obviously, in the NBA landscape, so that's nice, too. But um, happy to do this again two times in one week, man. I'm, hey, I enjoy it. Yeah, that's okay, Paul. We won't talk for another few weeks after this. Now, right? <laughs> this, is, this is too much for us. I'm just messing with you. Um, let's jump into this. Brian Toporek, one of our writers at uh, Liberty Ballers, wrote about the Sixers potentially looking at signing Hassan Whiteside. Now, Whiteside would if the Sixers do take a flyer on him and they still have some room in terms of wiggle room against the apron. So I, I believe three and a half, four million dollars somewhere in that range to, to make another addition or they can add another piece during the regular season. But Whiteside, 33 years old, turns 34 in June, uh, been a basically a walking double double throughout his entire career, averages 12 points, more than 10 rebounds a game at 10.8, uh, put up eight points and seven rebounds last season for a jazz team that kind of imploded on its own, but he was relatively healthy, played in 65 games. When you look at what the Sixers have behind Joel Embiid, and obviously we're assuming Embiid plays 65, 70 games, somewhere around the 32 to 34 minute mark. When you look at Whiteside, do you think he would be an upgrade at all, Paul, over guys like Paul Reed and Charles Bassey? I know we both really like what Paul Reed did in the playoffs, saw how active he is in terms of being a disturber, especially on the defensive end. Yeah, he does foul a lot, still learning to use his feet instead of, or move his feet instead of using his hands, but um, gets offensive rebounds, makes a couple of blocks, you know, a night when he's out there in the game. So he's somebody I would look at, but do you think Whiteside would be somebody that they should implore signing? <sighs> it's a really tough call. I I agree with a lot of Brian's points, and Brian's a very smart guy, so it's not surprising that he made a, a very good argument um, to do so. I do... I think his biggest concern is my biggest concern and why I, I might, I probably wouldn't do it is that quite frankly, I think if you sign Hassan Whiteside, you're saying that Paul Reed and Charles Bassey aren't going to play. I mean, just flat out. Cause Do let's just like call it. Like we see it jazz. Like if doc rivers gets Hassan Whiteside, he's going to play Hassan Whiteside. He's not going to play Paul Reed. Yeah. He's not going to play Charles Bassey. He's going to go with the veteran guy. Uh, I'll say this. Whiteside was pretty good last year uh, for the jazz. He had a really solid season. Uh, he, you know, one of the better backups in the league, backing up Gobert. the, the drop off was really not much for them when, when he came on the floor. And so if I'm looking at it in a vacuum, as far as like, is Hassan Whiteside a decent backup for Joel on the beat? Yeah, I, I actually think he is, especially if you're running him with James Harden, you could do, you know, pick and roll. That's what Whiteside does, right? Like that's, that's yeah. really all he does offensively. He's extremely limited player on that end of the floor, but he can set a screen. He can roll. He's athletic. Uh, he's a really good offensive and defensive rebounder. He's an excellent rim protector. He, he does a lot of things well, and he did them well in a role for the jazz. that I think is perfect for him. I think he's a, he's a legitimately good backup center in the NBA. Uh, his issue comes when he is forced into a bigger role. So I think as a backup here in a vacuum, he would be fine. He, he would be pretty good. Uh, the, the issue I have, though, is like you mentioned, Paul Reed was 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 good in the playoffs, man, like like good, impactful, good. Uh, and I want to see more of that. And so the only way I would feel good about it is if there is a, a conversation between Maury and Doc Rivers. And the conversation is 
Paul Reed's got to get the first crack. I'm signing Hassan Whiteside to give you an insurance policy in case Paul Reed really flounders and really doesn't do well. Then you have Hassan to go to, or, you know, a, a tough matchup, right? Like a team that has like a true five, a throwback five that's maybe giving you some problems on the glass or whatever. And you could throw Whiteside in there for a few minutes to, to kind of, you know, alleviate the stress off Reed a little bit. But I think Paul Reed's a player. Like, I think he's good. Like, I think you need to find a way to, I think the goal should not be to get a guy in here to give him competition. The goal should be to find a way to get this guy on the floor more. Um, you're right about the fouls too, but the only way he's ever going to get better at that is to play games at the NBA level with NBA athletes at NBA speed. That's the only way he's ever going to get better with that issue. So give him minutes, let him be Joel Embiid's backup. That's the way it is. If you can, if, if the deal there is Maury is signing Whiteside as an insurance policy, I'm all in. I, I think that's, that, that would be a positive signing more depth, the better it helps. Uh, th- there is the tricky issue of, you know, uh, they're going to have to clear a couple of roster spots. Uh, Trevlin Queen has 600 guaranteed, uh, you know, not certainly he's, I would say a dark horse to make the roster at this point. There's no guarantees at all. He will. Uh, Isaiah Joe's contract is non-guaranteed for this year. Plus you never know what could come down the pike as far as a trade or whatever, where maybe they're trading two for one or three for one. And that opens up the roster spot. And that makes, you know, it really easy to just bring in white side and do that. So um, I'm a little conflicted. I lean towards them preferring them not to do that. But if they did do it, um, I wouldn't crush Daryl Morey for it. Uh, and I would hope that there would be a conversation with Doc that, you know, Paul Reed is the guy until he is no longer the guy. Yeah, I think he's earned the right to at least get a shot. Do you know what I mean? And again, we could see them play small ball and go with Tucker at the five uh, as well. P.J. Tucker at some points throughout the season. But yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Paul Reed, what he did in the playoffs, again, wasn't like outstanding and like, wow, you know, this guy's amazing. No, but he was solid. He gives you, obviously, he's cost-controlled uh, in terms of his contract. So, you know, you don't have to worry about spending too much money there. But I, I agree. I like what he showed in his development and what he's shown so far. He's very active on the offensive rebounds. He's good on help side defense. He's good in the pick-and-roll defense. Why not give this guy a shot? But I'm with you. If Maury elects to go with Whiteside, Doc Rivers is going to find a way to play him because he loves playing old guys. That's why he had to go through the whole DJ thing. But I mean, you look again, you look at what Whiteside. I will say this though, in fairness, Whiteside last year was much better than anything we saw from DeAndre Jordan. So if that does happen, it's not the end of the world, but um, I just personally would not be a fan of that. If that's, if, if it winds up being Whiteside as the guy that I would not be a fan of that. Yeah. But I mean, again, you look at Whiteside last season, the jazz, we're 10.1, 5.1, pardon me, points better per 100 possessions with him on the court as opposed to off of it. So he still has lots left in the tank. Like I mentioned, average eight and a half points and uh, or 8.2.7 point six rebounds for Utah last year. So still has something in the tank, not as washed clearly uh, as DJ was. But it'll be interesting <laughs> to see. It'll be interesting to see uh, what the Sixers do because they still have some room. They can still make a trade. They can still add some pieces. But I'm with you. I think they're kind of set with their roster now they're going to see how things play out over the first 35 40 games and if they need to make an adjustment and make an addition i think they will uh paul we'll jump into some nba talk want to talk about the lakers trade uh with utah that ended up happening earlier this morning we're recording this on a thursday and then want to talk about one of the high picks in the draft going to miss the entire 2022 23 season after a foot injury uh, that required surgery so we'll jump into that after a short break All right, we're back. Talk a little bit about Hassan Whiteside, potentially as an option for the Sixers to sign as a backup big man there before the break. Now we're going to jump into some general NBA talk. Uh, Paul, I'm sure you saw this. Woj reporting 
Lakers and Utah ended up finalizing a deal that'll get Patrick Beverly back to LA this time with the Lakers, not with the Clippers. Uh, he will be there for in exchange for Stanley Johnson and Taylor Horton Tucker, who, by the way, Paul, I don't know how much I, I used to cover the Lakers a couple of years ago. People thought Taylor Horton Tucker was an ex Kobe Bryant. Okay. So yeah, untouchable. Like, yeah. Uh, they were just like, no, we're not going to go. THT is going to be, no, I mean, he's at best going to be, uh, he's a good player. I think he has a potential to be a good role player. Maybe not more than that, but what did you think of this deal from a Lakers standpoint? Utah obviously looking like it's just trying to acquire as many young assets as possible at this point. Yeah, it seems like with the Lakers, now that it's pretty set in stone that that Kyrie is is staying put, they're kind of going about their offseason, if that makes sense. And it seems like Beverly is probably just the first domino. I imagine, you know, we, we saw that Indiana package. I imagine that gets revisited because that would be a hell of a deal for the Lakers if they can swing that where they're dumping the contract of Russell Westbrook and then getting two starting caliber players and Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. Uh, that would Those two guys would be tremendous fits um, would allow Anthony Davis to play the four, which is obviously his preference. And then also surrounding those two guys with shooters. Cause miles Turner is a, is a stretch five that can hit shots on the outside. And we all know, buddy Heald's a guy who, if you give him the runway, he's going to take 10 threes a game, which that Lakers team desperately needs. They yeah. need that space. And even Beverly, a guy, I mean, you know, uh, everyone talks about his defense and his grit and rightfully so, but as a spot up shooter, he he's pretty damn good. Uh, he he's solid in that regard. Um, when, when you know when it's LeBron and it's AD kind of creating, and then those three guys playing off it, that that's a pretty solid starting five and something to work with. Um, yeah, I, and for me, like I, I it's you know what happens to me, Jazz, with Lakers players is like I like it when they like uh, like Taylor Horton Tucker is a good example. Another one is Kuzma. Like when they draft the guy, I'm like, yeah, you know what? This is pretty good value late in the first round. This is a pretty good pick then as soon as he gets into the lakers sphere he becomes the greatest player ever and it's like okay <laughs> yeah. now he's like the most overrated player ever in the world um and then they get traded and then all of a sudden I, I joked in our slack channel i don't think our lakers fans appreciate it too much in our in our in our, in our nba slack channel that it, it feels like a, a a new car driving off the lot with lakers young guys they'd appreciate as soon as they leave um yeah. and yeah, I, I, so I mean, for me, Taylor Horton Tucker, I, I don't know what he is. I mean, I, I think at best he's an okay player. He's a shooting guard that can't shoot. So, I mean, that's a pretty big problem. Um, he's he, like, you look at his percentages and he is literally a worse shooter than Matisse Thibel. So that says an awful lot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, could he develop into something? Sure. If you're Utah, why not? Right. Like, why yeah. not take a flyer to a guy like that? And Stanley Johnson, for that matter. Uh, maybe you can flip either of those guys if they look good first half of the season. You flip him for some more picks or something. Um, so uh, it's worth a flyer for Utah because Beverly, you know, thirty-three years old. Clearly, he he was not part of the Utah Jazz's future, so it makes sense for them to move on from him. Um, I think it's a fair deal, uh, I guess, from both sides. I mean, if I'm the Jazz, maybe I would have wanted a little bit more, if I'm being honest. But yeah, I mean, to me, Jazz, the biggest thing I, I looked at that trade and I saw it first thing this morning, and I thought to myself. Uh, okay, is Jordan Clarkson available? Because that's the guy, if I'm the Sixers, um, and I would say even, I know a lot of people talked about Patrick Beverly as, as a guy that could be here. I think Jordan Clarkson would be an even better fit as an extra ball handler, microwave scorer off the bench. Imagine him and Joel Embiid in a two-man game. Um, it would be a little tricky to get done, but I, I would be a, a huge fan of them bringing in Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, I and mean, obviously you have to look at some salary matching there too as well, right, Paul? I mean, Clarkson is is a former sixth man of the year, uh, can definitely fill it up, but you look at how they would be able to make that work. 
in terms of financially, who do you think they would have to give up in order to try and get that deal? And again, we've mentioned this before. Uh, the Sixers don't really have a draft pick, first round pick, really. That's theirs until that they can trade at least until 2074, right, Paul, at this point. So right. <laughs> um, I don't know if they'll be able to give something to, to Utah, but you're looking at uh, around 13 to $14 million for the next couple of seasons for Jordan Clarkson. If you were trying to get him, who would you want to package to try and make that deal? Well, Matisse Thibault will be the headliner. And like, I know a lot of people have soured on Matisse, but this is still a guy who's made two defensive, you know, second team all defense two years in a row. Um, still can be really disruptive in a lot of ways if you can work around his offensive limitations, which some teams can do better than others, um, then maybe you got something. And that's the kind of thing that I think Utah's looking for, right? Like, that's why they take a chance on a tail and Horton Tucker. They're looking for kind of these lottery tickets. So to me, uh, Thibel, Horkmaz for salary purposes, because $5 million, that gets you closer. And then you could throw in like a Jaden Springer, who, again, another lottery ticket. If you're Utah, those are the kind of guys you should be targeting. Springer is young, super young. You think he's was the youngest player in the league last year. Mm-hmm. Uber athletic, obviously raw as all hell. Uh, he's got a lot of work to do on his game overall. That jumper really needs a lot of help. Uh, but he shows some stuff, you know, as as a slasher, as a guy that can get to the rim, is you know really athletic and creative uh, around the rim. Gets to the free throw line, which is kind of an underrated thing. I, I think is that young players can do. He can. He's already got an NBA body. And Doc Rivers even said this, and for him to say that about a young player, um, that Jaden Springer could play NBA defense right now. Uh, he he wow, is that good bridge, on yeah. that end of the floor already. So, again, I think if you're Utah and you're willing to part with what you parted with for Patrick Beverly, something like that, I feel like could get it done for Clarkson. Maybe you have to throw in a second, uh, you know, first round pick, I think would be like, I don't think you're getting a first round pick for Jordan Clarkson from anybody, but to get a thigh bull and to get a Springer to pretty decent lottery tickets. I think that would be a good trade for both sides. Um, the Sixers would get, you know, de- much deeper. As I already mentioned, the ball handler, creator, scorer off the bench, I think would be a really interesting mix. You Then you would look at like, you know how Doc Rivers loves to do these hockey lineups where it's, you know, five guys in, five guys out. Mm. You look at that all bench unit would be like Clarkson, Melton, House, uh, Niang, and then your back of five, probably Paul Reed. That's a pretty interesting five guys. And they would not lose minutes, right? Like that's a pretty strong, um, you know, five reserves right there. So yeah, that that's, I, I would think that's a package that could potentially get it done for Clarkson. How the Sixers interest level, I don't know for, for, I have no inside information on that, but it just seems like a guy that would make an awful lot of sense for the Sixers. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And if they can get him, uh, that gives you that microwave score off the bench, too, right? Clarkson can come in and, and score 20 points in any given night. So I think that would be a dimension. You score 40 or 50 on, oh, or yeah, 40 on a given night. He's, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a great shooter, too. You know what I mean? And he gives it, he would give the Sixers that option. But again, financially, you'd have to give up a few pieces. Like you said, probably some younger guys, but maybe cutting a bit into your depth. Although we know that P.J. Tucker... Daniel House, we look at DeAnthony Melton, those guys likely not going anywhere unless there's like a, you know, a offer they can't refuse at that point. So again, it'll be interesting to see because I do think Daryl has some wiggle room. Obviously he does with, with Harden taking less and the way they've structured the contracts that they're going to have some room to make an addition or make some changes. So that'll be interesting to see as well. Paul, I want to wrap up with this. Some disappointing news on the NBA front. Number two overall pick, Chet Holmgren, uh, ended up injuring his foot, being reported widely that he ended up hurting it uh, during the Jamal Crawford, like the crossover pro-am game that he had in Seattle, they end up stopping that game 
because what happened is the court was too unsafe and, and slippery it was being playing at, I believe at Washington state um, up there near, near Seattle. So when you look at this, how disappointed were you? Cause I love Chet Holmgren's game. I actually think he's going to be an amazing NBA player just with his skill set and what he brings. But we've seen this happen twice now with the Sixers recently, right? With Joel sure. saw that with Ben Simmons uh, before them, another, you know, highly touted pick and Blake Griffin ended up missing his rookie year. But when you look at this, what was your initial reaction when you saw that Holmgren's going to be out for all of next season? Yeah. As you already mentioned, I think if anyone can empathize with that situation, it's Sixers fans for, you know, not getting to see Joel Embiid, not just for one, but two seasons, Joel Embiid didn't yeah. get to play an NBA game. Yeah. And then Ben Simmons, obviously with his broken foot, the Jones fracture, uh, he doesn't get to play a game. So yeah, it's just, it's just disappointing. Cause I, I'm with you. Like, um, I was really interested to see how he would do because in college at Gonzaga, like it, he kind of fit within their system. Right. You know what I mean? And like, he, it's just a different game in college. It's, 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 it's tighter. It's not as open. And, you know, he didn't really get a chance. I feel like at least to show off as much of his skill set. We saw obviously some of the fantastic blocks he made, some of the um, plays around the basket, the fact that he can hit threes. I think he would have had a chance and we saw a little bit of it in summer league to maybe open up his game a little bit more, um, do some more stuff off the dribble. He's a really good passer for his size too. And I would have just been really intrigued to see how he would have adjusted. And we all know too the size that 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 was probably the biggest knock coming in is that he is you know on the lean side. So I would have been really interested to see how he would have adapted to that because you know we've seen guys who are quote unquote skinny and then they go like a guy like Kevin Durant who is still skinny um, and is one of the most <laughs> dominant players in NBA history. So uh, I would have been really really intrigued to see how he would have kind of adjusted to that. And yeah, it's just disappointing. And I and, and Jazz too. Like a, a lot of people talk about the Thunder and and the tanking and all that, which is, has been the clear initiative. It seemed to me this year like they were going to try to win some games, right? Like they had they re-signed Lou Dort to an extension, like a good player that they decided to retain. Um, Kendrick Williams, same thing, also signed an extension. Like they looked like they were going to try to compete a little bit this year, and I think. They still might. Uh, they still have Shea Gildas Alexander and Josh Giddy. I love that young backcourt for the future. Um, as I mentioned, they have Dort, who is already an outstanding defensive player. They have uh, really intriguing pieces. Uh, you know, uh, Jalen Williams is the guy they got in the draft. I mean, they uh, uh, they have really good young players that I think they would have caught a lot of people off guard. I I, and I still think they they might. They they just might catch some people off guard. So I. I think that's the most disappointing thing aside from the obvious of like just for Chet and for the, the, the player himself to have to sit out this year. The fact that I thought the thunder were going to surprise some people. I think that's a little disappointing that you won't get to see him in that mix, but I'll say this. Look, Joel and B sat out two years and look at him now, right? Like that, mm -hmm. that's the way you have to look at it. It sucks right now. You feel terrible for the kid, but you just, you know, it, it's better safe than sorry. Sit out the year, come back next year, stronger. Um, and, and just continue to develop your game. And, and you know, not saying he's going to be at Embiid's level, but he might. He's the second overall pick for a reason. This is a guy who is so talented and so unique. And I, I'll be really excited to watch him. Um, and, you know, not obviously not this season, but the following season. Oh, same here. I, I, I was looking forward to seeing him the most. I, I just think, like you mentioned, I mean, obviously he's slender and, and we look at his build as, as a potential knock, but plays bigger. You know what I mean? Seems like he's pretty strong. He's, he's adept at uh, wiry. 
Yeah, wiry, and he, he's good at he's good at the way he carries himself, able to shoot the rock, able you know. I just think his game is so suited to today's NBA, whereas maybe 10, 12 years ago, uh, just given his frame, he probably wouldn't have got selected in the top five. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just the way the game was played, and now you look at it where big men are expected to shoot. Obviously, you got Joel, you got Nikola Jokic. You see the way these guys play. They're not the traditional sit on the block and, and take up room. You know what I mean? 10 feet away from the hoop. They're, they're able to do a bit of everything. So that's why I was really excited to see him play. And I just think he's got the swagger. He's got the talent. Um, obviously, crappy. Like you mentioned, Sixers fans know all too well about not having a high pick suit up at least for one season. Uh, let's wrap things up here, Paul. Excited. You want to tell everybody what's going on next week. You'll be starting your new show with, with Seamus. It's going to be a Philly centric sports show. So give the people a little bit of a preview of what they can expect there. Yeah, we're so we, we settled on a name jazz and I got to be honest with you. Uh, we knocked it out of the park in my opinion. Um, <laughs> the name of the podcast is going to be thirsty dogs drink faster. And it's going to be a wide ranging Philly sports um, podcast, not just Sixers, not just Eagles, definitely Phillies. And if the Flyers are ever relevant, we'll definitely talk about that. That's mean. I don't want to say it like that. Um, I'm just very <laughs> mad at the Flyers. I, I grew up a, an enormous Flyers fan. Um, love the Flyers. Uh, I would I literally cried uh, during Drew's final game here um, and when he got traded. But um, yeah, I'm not really excited about this following season. But yeah, that's the kind of stuff you can expect. Jess. <laughs> um, we're going to touch on everything. And, and you know, we, we know Seamus and what he brings to the table and his passion for the city and for the sports of the city. And we're just both really excited to do it. And I think it's going to turn out, it's going to turn out awesome for anyone who's a Philly sports fan. I think it's 100% going to be worth checking out. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, it. I'm excited to have Seamus on board. Obviously he does his work there. Um, works, worked with us at Liberty ballers a bit, worked with us at BGM two times over. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, uh, you know, once, once we reached out and, and, just to gauge his interest i'm happy that uh that ended up working out so i'm looking forward to you guys launching that show and i think it's gonna be great for our network as well let's uh, wrap things up there as i mentioned off the top don't forget subscribe to liberty ballers podcast network you can catch us on apple Podcasts, spotify you name it we are there uh that'll do it for this week on the network the gastro crew will be back on sunday and as we mentioned paul and seamus will be back on tuesday gonna be making some additions to our podcast network as well we'll have that all finalized for you Hopefully in the next week or two here, but we're going to have a, a new lineup, going to change some things around where we're going to be basically having six new shows a week. So you get all your Sixers stuff covered through us here at the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network.